Hello and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 until the modern era. We have a lot to discuss on today's show. A new player activated off the injured list. We'll fill you in on that. We also will be previewing tonight's game at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that, as you know, means that John Tavares is back on Long Island and ready to face the Islanders for the fourth time since he signed with Toronto as a free agent. We'll also have the farm report as we break down the week that was and the week that will be for the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, the Islanders' AHL farm team, and we have a very memorable and special this date in Islanders history that fans of a certain age certainly remember fondly. And uh, if you don't remember it, it's one of those milestone moments in Islanders history that you certainly should be familiar with. All right, first let's turn our attention to the injury news. Earlier yesterday, the Islanders activated Leo Komarov off the injured reserve so he is back and should be ready for action tonight against the Maple Leafs. And at Tuesday's practice, head coach Barry Trotz indicated that both Casey Sezikis and Cal Clutterbuck, who were both a little bit banged up in Saturday's game against the Florida Panthers, they are fine and ready to go tonight against the Maple Leafs. Kamarov and Ladd will also be available, and it remains to be seen whether or not they get into the lineup. So a couple of moves here, and the addition of Kamarov, more than anything, adds a little bit more sandpaper, a little bit more grit to the Islanders' bottom six forwards, and uh, that's a good thing. Uh, It it just fits in very well with the Barry Trotz style of hockey. Kamarov, by the way, in seven games so far this season has three assists, no goals yet. He is a plus-two and has been credited with eight hits and two block shots for the Islanders. And again, when you're facing especially a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs that is so explosive offensively, having Kamarov back in the lineup is a very helpful thing for the Islanders. All right, so let's take a look at tonight's game at the Nassau Coliseum against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Islanders come into this game 12-3-1 on the season. That's 25 points in 16 games. That places them in second place in the Metropolitan Division. Coming into the game, five points behind the Washington Capitals, although the Islanders now have three games in hand. And again, the most telling statistic for the Islanders so far, and this can't be a surprise for a Barry Trotz coach team, no team in the league has given up fewer goals than the Islanders have this year. They are number one in goals against with 35 goals for. The Islanders right now 21st in the league. So, you know, not the most explosive team, but the stingiest team on ice so far this season. When you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, you could almost flip those numbers. The Maple Leafs third in the NHL with 63 goals scored, but they are 26th out of 31 teams in goals against with 60, almost double the number that the Islanders have given up. 
Toronto comes into the game in third place in the Atlantic Division with a 9-6-4 record. That's 22 points in 19 games. Uh, three games above NHL 500, although they played 19 games and lost 10 of them, so go figure that one. The Maple Leafs led by the great one right now, Austin Matthews, 13 goals, 12 assists, 25 points on the season, and Matthews a plus 9, deadly on the power play, 7 of his 25 points have come with the extra attacker, and he has already scored two game-winning goals as part of that very, very strong first line for Toronto. Surprisingly, though, uh, the power play has not been explosive for the Maple Leafs. They are 18th in the league with an 18.2% success rate. With all the talent that they have on this team, you might expect that the power play would do a little bit better. Matthew centers the top line with Andreas uh, Janssen and William Nylander on either side. And then the second line centered by the aforementioned John Tavares between Zach Hyman and Kasperi Kapanen, and uh, those are the two big offensive lines. The defensive pairings, Morgan Riley and Cody uh, Sessi, are the top pairing, followed by Jake Muzzin and Tyson Barry as the second pairing. Travis Dermott and Justin Hole tend to be the third pairing. Now, Tavares, not on the top line, but he is on the first power play unit, at least as of now. And as is Matthews, who drops back and tends to play the point with the man advantage. Now, in goal, Toronto, you know, we're probably going to see the top goaltender, which is Frederick Anderson. And Anderson not having a very, you know, strong season, but not terrible. He comes in with a very strong 9-2 and two record in 14 starts, a 2.62 goals against average, and a 9-16 save percentage. He does have three overtime losses, and, you know, that's been a bit of a problem for the Maple Leafs. His backup, Michael Hutchinson, in five starts, 0-4, with a 4.44 goals against average and an 8.79 save percentage. So, uh, Hutchinson has not lived up to the billing as the backup goaltender. Anderson playing pretty well uh, overall, considering that the Maple Leafs are not a very strong defensive team. So we come into this game with very contrasting styles. You have a wide open team in Toronto that really plays a sort of a run-and-gun style of hockey against the much more disciplined, defensive-oriented New York Islanders who play that Barry Trotz, slow them down, don't let them get those juicy rebounds, don't let them get shots from the slot and from, from the uh, area that, you know, is the most dangerous. It, it's going to be a very interesting contrast because, you know, when the Islanders have the puck and they're in the offensive zone, you have a an average offense against a below-average defense, but when Toronto is on the attack, you have a situation where the Maple Leafs have one of the best offensive teams in the NHL going up against the league's stingiest defense. For the Islanders, expect Simeon Varlamov to be in goal as the Islanders continue to alternate. Tomas Grice, of course, had a strong 37-save performance 
in the win against Florida. So uh, it is now Varlamov's turn to go out and face the Toronto Maple Leafs and John Tavares. Again, it'll be interesting to see how Islander fans respond to Tavares and his presence on the ice at the Nassau Coliseum. Last year, sort of a mixed bag, a lot of boos, a lot of hurt from Islanders fans. Let's see if having a year to sort of adjust to things and and the pain not so fresh anymore, the betrayal that many Islander fans felt not as strong anymore, and maybe they will take a little step back and appreciate all the different things that John Tavares did for this franchise during his tenure as their franchise player, the face of the team, and of course as their captain, and that included leading the Islanders to their first playoff victory since 1993, uh, and he scored that exciting overtime game-winning goal in Game 6 to clinch the series. We have got a lot more to get to on today's Locked on Islanders. We have the Farm Report. We'll tell you everything that's happening down in Bridgeport. And we also have a very special uh, this date in Islanders history. We will get to that and a whole lot more right after this. Okay, it's time for our weekly Farm Report here on Locked on Islanders. We take a look at what's happening with the Bridgeport Sound Tigers and You know, they played Saturday, Sunday, and Monday with the Veterans Day holiday uh, being earlier this week. Two losses and a win. First, they faced the Providence Bruins at home, falling in that game 4-1 on Saturday evening. Sunday afternoon against the Belleville Senators, a tight 2-1 loss. But then on Veterans Day, uh, in the afternoon, the matinee, a 2-0 win over the Providence Bruins, and in that game, a very strong performance by goaltender Christopher Gibson. He made 32 saves to earn his second shutout in his last three starts, and that was in the 2-0 win. Arnold Durando and Simon Holstrom uh, getting goals against Bruins goaltender Max Legacy uh, as the Sound Tigers win and uh, break that two-game losing streak. So a nice pickup there for the Sound Tigers. They've had their difficulty so far this year. Their record 4-9-2-1. So still struggling in the standings, but right now uh, looking to rebound and bounce back a little bit. As the Islanders, the parent team, gets healthier it is likely that the Sound Tigers will also improve in the standings. You know, having a number of Islanders injured meant that a lot of the players that the Sound Tigers usually rely on were up and down on the shuttle back to the NHL level, uh, and now they are back in Bridgeport and ready for action, and that always helps the Sound Tigers play better hockey when they have their full uh contingent of players available to them. As of right now, the leaders on the Sound Tigers, Matt Lurito with eight points, four goals, and four assists in 16 games, is tied for the team lead in scoring with defenseman Sebastian Ajo. He has two goals and six assists, good for eight points. Uh, Lurito leading the team in goals, as I mentioned, with four. Ajo with six assists, 
is pacing the Sound Tigers in that department. The Sound Tigers also uh, boosted by the return of Oliver Wallstrom, who had spent some time up with the Islanders in seven games with Bridgeport. Wallstrom has two goals and three assists for five points. Meanwhile, in the plus-minus department, and that's an area that Bridgeport has struggled with, as you know, they're you know having a losing record so far. Andrew Ladd actually leads the Sound Tigers with a plus one in five games that he played during his rehab stint a week ago, and obviously in the last 10 days or so, while forward Jeff Kubiak in 14 games, he is even, and uh, that is first among team regulars for the Sound Tigers in the plus-minus department. So, That's where things are at right now in Bridgeport. And as we look at the schedule for the upcoming week, as per usual, most games on the weekend in the AHL, this Friday and Saturday, uh, Bridgeport will be on the road Friday at the Belleville Senators. Uh, That is a 7 o'clock Eastern time start. And then on Saturday, a 4 o'clock in the afternoon game at the Laval Rocket. So a busy weekend, back-to-back games, Friday and Saturday on the road for the Sound Tigers. And we will see if they are able to bounce back and get ready for uh, an exciting weekend of action. And, And again, more healthy players, more regular players available for Bridgeport. That should make a difference for this team as they move forward. And Again, in the AHL, you're always trying to find that balance. You always want to find the balance in the minor leagues between developing players and winning hockey games. And now that more of the regulars are back, I think the idea of winning more hockey games becomes more realistic now that the Sound Tigers are not quite as shorthanded as they were a week ago. For those of you thinking of attending a game in Bridgeport, their next two home games are Saturday, November 23rd, that game against the Hershey Bears, and then Sunday, November 24th, against the Springfield Thunderbirds. So those are the next two home games, and it's very easy to head on out to Bridgeport from Long Island. If you just hop on the ferry, it'll take you right there. You could also drive Uh, around and and up to Connecticut. So not difficult to get there. And if you want to see the Islanders, their future players playing today, uh, you can easily take a nice trip up to Bridgeport and catch an AHL game. You know, we talked about the goaltending in Bridgeport. And right now, Christopher Gibson and Jared Corot have been alternating. And Gibson right now playing very strong hockey as of late, he is now 3-2-2 two, and two on the season, but a 1.98 goals against average and a 9.30 save percentage. Uh, a very strong start to the season for Christopher Gibson. Also, two shutouts, and those came in his last three starts. Uh, Corot, unfortunately, struggling. He is 0-5-1 on the season. The goals against average, 438 and the save percentage, you know, again, struggling at 872. He has yet to record a shutout. So uh, Gibson really getting the job done. 
Carell hoping to rebound and get himself into a groove as we continue with this AHL season, but the Islanders have to be happy with the play of Gibson so far. We've got a lot more to get to here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. We have a very special this date in Islanders history and a lot more to get to in just a minute. All right, guys, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And I have to tell you, when I tried Blue Chew, I really noticed something extra. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So there's no in-person doctor visit, there's no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. And right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's Blue, B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code MLB to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Okay, it's time for our trip down memory lane, this date in Islanders history, and this is a special one. We go back to November 13th, 1979, at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum, the Islanders facing the New York Rangers, and you gotta remember, this is just a month and a half into the season after the Rangers upset the Islanders in the 1979 Stanley Cup semifinals. The Islanders that year won, well, it would have they would have won the President's Trophy had it existed, but they had the best record in the league in 1978-79 and went up against a hot John Davidson and lost that series in a heartbreaking six games. This was the first meeting of the following season against the Rangers, And it's a game that will forever be remembered by Islanders fans as the double chili game. The Islanders had a promotion back in the late 70s into the early 80s that said that if the Islanders scored six or more goals at a home game, anyone presenting their ticket stub could get a free chili at 12 participating Wendy's restaurants in and around Long Island. And it was a very popular promotion with the fans at the time. But by the end of this game, it wasn't so popular with the Rangers and their organization. Now, the first period of this game started out just like many others. The Rangers took a 1-0 lead on a goal by Steve Vickers. But then, less than a minute later, Billy Harris, the Islanders' first ever draft pick, ties the game. And Brian Trottier gives the Islanders a 2-1 lead Later on in the first period, 
But then the Rangers even it up. Don Maloney scores on the power play at 16.49 of the first period. And the two teams go into the locker rooms at the Coliseum after 20 minutes, all even at two. But the second period, everything changed. It was all Islanders, and they exploded for six goals in the second period. First, Trottier gets his second of the game on the power play at 2.50. Then Mike Bossy follows that up with a power play goal of his own at 5.37. A minute 12 seconds after that, Dennis Potvan, who always seemed to play his best hockey against the Rangers, scored what was his first goal of the year, and the route was on. Goal by Wayne Merrick. makes it a 6-2 Islander lead just 7 minutes and 32 seconds into the second period. Billy Harris scores his second goal of the game, a shorthanded goal, and at 11.51, and all of a sudden, it is 7-2 Islanders. Stefan Pearson scores with 5 minutes 15 seconds left in the second period. Six goals for the Islanders, and now it's an 8-2 hockey game after 40 minutes. Now, this is where the story gets a little complicated. The president of the Long Island Wendy's happened to have been at the Nassau Coliseum for this game. He's in attendance, and during the third period, he decides that if the Islanders get to 10 goals, anyone presenting their ticket stub would get two chilies for free from their participating restaurants. So after Walt Kachuk scores to make it, uh, give the Rangers their third goal, the Islanders get busy. Gary Howitt scores his second goal of the year at 9-17 to make it 9-3 in favor of the Islanders, and the crowd is going crazy. And in addition to chanting the usual Let's Go Islanders chant, they start chanting Chili, Chili. The house is going berserk. Who gets the chili goal or the double chili goal in this case? It's got to be Dennis Potvan. His second of the game, second of the year at 12.07. And the Coliseum goes absolutely crazy. And the Islanders take a 10-2 lead in route, uh, 10-3 lead, excuse me, in route to a 10-5 victory. And... So many Islanders ended up with multiple-point games in this contest. You go down the line, Bossy, a goal and three points. Clark Gillies, two assists. Billy Harris, two goals. Anders Kaller, three assists. Stefan Pearson, a goal and two assists. Dennis Potvan, two goals and two assists. Brian Trottier, two goals and two assists. So, so many of the Islanders' stars getting the job done. Poor Doug Sotard, he was the starting goalie for the Rangers, gave up 10 goals in 26 shots for a save percentage of 6.15. Billy Smith won the game for the Islanders. He didn't have a great game either, making 16 saves and facing only 21 shots. He even picked up two penalty minutes in this game. His save percentage, 7.62, But, you know, the game wasn't even close. Needless to say, after the game, the Rangers were incensed. 
The players had very different attitudes about it. Some of the Islanders tried to make light of it. Brian Trottier, after the game, said when they made the double chili announcement, I heard Dennis Potvin's stomach growling. The next thing I knew, he had taken the puck down the ice and scored. Meanwhile, Freddie Shiro, who was the coach of the Rangers at that time, said to the press they didn't even do things in Omaha like that, where he had coached in the minor leagues, which is big league compared to the Coliseum. Overall, all the fans left the Coliseum happy with their double chili ticket stubs, and this game went down in Islanders history as one of the more memorable non-playoff games the Islanders ever had at the Nassau Coliseum. That's going to do it for us today on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Tomorrow, we will break down and analyze the game against the Maple Leafs, and we will also have an analysis of Brock Nelson and what he's meant to this team so far this year, and of course, this date in Islanders history. I'm your host, Gil Martin. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.